0: Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 433rd episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you To become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is improving geographic, economic, and informational access to healthy foods for residents in food deserts. We're talking with Rob Veggies Horton about food sensitive communities. Rob is the founder and executive director of Trap Garden, established in Nashville, Tennessee. Rob's motivation as an urban farmer and community health activist stems from his own experiences growing up in a St. Louis, Missouri neighborhood with few fresh, healthy food items. Then moving to Nashville to attend Tennessee State University, Rob was frustrated with having to drive miles away from home for a grocery store that had fresh quality products. Rob received his Bachelor's of Science in Healthcare Administration from Tennessee State University in Nashville, Tennessee, and a Master's of Business Administration from Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. Trap Garden is a social enterprise that provides a sustainable source of healthy, high-quality foods and offers innovative solutions to the physical financial, and educational shortcomings in food insecure communities. Their mission is to help build, sustain, and empower low-income communities by assisting in the creation of community gardens and the promotion of healthy eating. Welcome to the show today, Rob. Are you ready to rock?
1: Yeah, I appreciate you having me on today. Thank you for that.
0: You bet. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today?
1: Yeah, I really do think it was a lot of different avenues that I went through through life that led me to where I am here now. So. In the bio a little bit, you talked about me being from St. Louis, and in my neighborhood growing up in St. Louis, it was definitely limited access to anything that was fresh, healthy, and affordable. So literally everybody on my block when I was a child would go to the exact same corner store, get nothing but cookies, snacks, and other things that wasn't going to be healthy for your body, Mm. going to school, and then right after school, they would be running right back to this candy store and doing the exact same thing, cookies, snacks other items that wasn't really going to be good for you and that's all they were really putting into their body at that time frame you see i'm definitely a product of a food sensitive food desert community and it was a trend that i kind of noticed not only in st louis but also when i moved to nashville to attend college at tennessee state university as well so mm-hmm. you talk about like those frustrations right i mean you you know a lot of people have had that college experience before and i'm sure that They understand, hey, you're in school. You're not supposed to be having that much money anyway. Just eat whatever's in the cafeteria and you'll survive.
0: But people
1: should at least have the option to be able to eat healthy if they want to, right? Right. And so I was noticing that in my community they didn't have that option. Whether I had limited amounts of money, I should still be able to go to a grocery store and find something that was fresh and readily available to be able to eat. And a lot of times I had to drive outside of my community in order to get those type of food items. It was really, really frustrating. And so what I decided to do is is to stop complaining and to get involved with the community garden. And I said, you know what? If I attempt to grow something and I fail, then I can't really complain about what's at the grocery store, right? Because I don't really know that process. So I ended up actually getting involved with the community garden. A lot of the elders within that community garden space taught me some of the traditional items or ways to be able to grow food And a lot of my friends didn't believe what I was doing at the time frame because I literally had no agricultural background at all. And so they would actually come out and see what I was doing, and we would have these conversations, and lo and behold, they came from these exact same type of communities, people from Detroit, Chicago, different parts of Florida living in these food-sensitive food desert communities. So I said, you know what? How can I end up creating a really cool process and dropping all these community gardens as well as engaging community programming into other communities that look like mine and what I grew up in in St. Louis? So the Trap Garden was born from there.
0: Wow. And why do you call it the trap garden?
1: Great question that I get all of the time. And really, it's because me growing up in St. Louis, I was more than likely to see an actual trap house than I was an actual garden space. And what I mean by a trap house is it's a place where people would go and purchase these illegal drug items, shotgun style house, one way in, one way out. But really, it's the work ethic of that actual drug dealer. Now, I'm not saying that what they're doing is good. But I'm saying that they put a lot of hard work and effort to create a product to get people hooked to it and get them coming back more and more for the same exact thing. I wanted to create a really cool and engaging experience, sending around a more sustainable, healthy lifestyle and eating really fresh, earthy food items and get people hooked and addicted to that experience and getting them come back for more and more to change the landscape of the community.
0: So you are trapping them.
1: Yeah, exactly. I am trapping. I'm putting in that work, trying to put out a really good product into the community every day.
0: Nice. So how many gardens do you have?
1: So right now in Nashville, we only have actually two working garden spaces. Um, Nashville is growing at a rapid rate right now, and I think that you'll see through, you know, gentrification, it's a lot of property that's being purchased. Now, we don't own any of the land in which we grow on. We partner with small businesses, organizations, and schools, use the extra space that they have available to be able to build creative programming. And so if that, part, if that piece of land is actually purchased by someone else and they no longer want to utilize it as a community garden, then it goes by the wayside but we're really working to make the two that we have the strongest possible and do engaging school programming through that as well. So the school partnerships have definitely been most beneficial.
0: Nice. And so I'm walking down the street and I stumble across one of your gardens. What am I looking mm-hmm. at? Tell me, Kind of take us through a visual picture of what, what I'd be seeing.
1: Well, chances are, if you're coming from a community in which I came from growing up, you're seeing something like you've never, ever seen before. You're seeing raised bed gardens with different types of herbs and vegetable items that you may or may not ever have experienced or had the chance to actually eat. You're seeing really tall sunflowers that are providing a little bit of shade as you're walking past our gate. You're seeing people within the community engaging and working together to be able to build something and have a really cool experience doing it at the same time. See, most people within our gardens are actually millennials as well. So they might end up trying to engage you in conversation, getting you involved, or at least having some really cool, dope conversations over some music.
0: Wow. So you're bringing music into it as well.
1: Oh, yeah, of course, of course. So one thing with trap for sure has to come with the trap music influence, this heavy, booming bass sound that really gets people energized. And it's all a part of what we're doing, trying to create that experience that's going to be new and unique, but also hip and cool at the same time.
0: Wow. So what kind of response are you getting from the people in the neighborhoods where these gardens are at?
1: The response has been very, very good. And I think that it's because we actually work with the people within the community to get them involved and invested. It's not just, you know, for me, it's not just for our organization, but it's for the people within the community as well. And we make sure that they have a seat at the table. Um, It is something that is new. So with something that's being new, they may be unfamiliar with it or uncomfortable trying a new food item, especially if you've been eating fast food for the last 30 to 40 years and that's all you know and somebody brings some new type of vegetable item like an eggplant or something that you've never tasted before, you'd be a little bit suspicious. But once we actually show you and engage you and how this could be good for your body, but also taste good, um, they end up buying in in the long run.
0: So one of the things that I've discovered in the work that I do is you can't just go into a neighborhood and install a garden. And you kind of inferred it a moment ago that you're working with a neighborhood. It really has to be a neighborhood project. Yeah,
1: right. I agree 110%. So specifically, it is like they have to have some type of ownership. So from beginning, before you even decide that you want to put a garden in this location, is that what the people within that community want and how do they want it structured? How many raised beds would they like? How would they like it built out? How do they want it to look and be used? We ask their opinions on all of that because it truly does belong to them. And they are the ones that from day to day will be working and managing that site. Now, while we do offer educational programming initially to get them involved and uh, assist and them learning how to be able to grow in the beginning, it's actually up to them. Whatever they decide to grow within their assigned raised bed garden is up to them. If they want to border and trade with other community members or other members who are working within that garden space, that's great. If they want to keep it all for themselves and make some amazing recipes for their family, that's great, too. But the most important thing is that they know that they have ownership of that space.
0: Wow. Yeah. So you're working with the neighborhoods and putting in community Mm -hmm. garden boxes that essentially somebody that lives in the neighborhood can come along and, and rent.
1: Right. Yep. And it's no at no cost to them. They can rent them for free. And what we noticed is that people were interested in growing something that was going to be fresh for their bodies and really good for their bodies. But maybe they didn't know how to be able to prepare a healthy Mm. meal for that. Mm -hmm. So we started these cooking demonstrations to allow for them to see how you can be able to prepare a healthier meal, but also on a budget as well. Like working within a $20 range, you could create a meal that could feed a family of four to five for two to three days using all fresh and affordable, healthy food items. So that opens up and extends to them to see new opportunities on how they can utilize the tomato or utilize the zucchini in a new way that they never thought
0: about. Wow. Yeah, and there's nothing better than growing your own meal. I've uh, done that many times here at the Urban Farm where I, you know, I grew everything with the exception of the oil that I put in the pan to cook it all.
1: Yeah, so the taste that you're going to actually be having when you're tasting like a, a tomato that you've grown yourself and you've seen and put in that sweat equity and that hard work will 100 times taste better than that store-bought one. I mean, you know where it's coming from. It's created naturally and organically, and that taste is going I have a whole different experience for you.
0: Plus, it's much more nutrient-dense. Mm-hmm. Thinking about what the interactions have been with the people in the neighborhoods, is there somebody, one person that stands out that says to you in your head when you think about them, yes, this is the reason that I'm doing this? Do you have one of those?
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely have one of those aha moments where the light bulb really went off and I think that it really showed why I am doing the work in which I'm doing. I know through our organization, we have a lot of volunteer opportunities and at the end of our community volunteer opportunities, we always provide food. And so I remember at the end of one volunteer experience, we had all of these different vegetable items laid out, chopped up so that everyone could be able to create some type of salad. You just line up, you go through the line, and then somebody could assist you in putting together your salad, and then you can eat it on the spot or you could take it home and eat it later. And so as one individual was going down the line, they might have said, oh, okay, here goes the tomatoes. Please add the tomatoes in there. Here goes the cucumbers. Add the cucumbers in there. And then they say, also, go ahead and add that egg as well in there. And so the other helpers were looking, and there, there were literally no eggs that were displayed on the table. And lo and behold, the item in which the community member thought was an egg was actually cauliflower. And they had just never seen or tasted cauliflower before. Wow. And so that was one of those moments to where a lot of times, if you've already had an opportunity to taste cauliflower or taste other vegetable items, and this is common to one person or another person in another neighborhood, this may be something that they've never seen, tasted, or even heard of before. And that's why it's so important, the work that we're doing, to be able to get exposure for people to be able to try something new and try something healthy and also to be able to see if they like it or if they don't like it. What we really stress is balance.
0: Balance of?
1: Balance of being able to, you know, if you like your your chips and your snacks, that's fine but also this kale and these carrot sticks and celery could also be something that tastes really good as well.
0: You know, and there's a whole lot of discovery that goes on with this. I, you know, many years ago, before I'd actually grown broccoli, I'd eaten broccoli, but the way I discovered how broccoli grew was I planted some. And I have found Mm -hmm. that, you know, for those of uh, especially with kids, if you plant, if they plant and grow something, they're much more likely to eat it. Have you found that?
1: Yes, yes. And honestly, that's our primary focus is on younger adults, kids, and children because it's easier to change the way that they look at food and consume food than it is to someone who has been living on fast food for 40, 50 years. Now, I'm not saying that that's not possible and that we don't try because we definitely do, but if we plant the seed earlier, then they'll be more than likely to eat whatever it is that grows from that. So we have two educational programs that actually assist with that. One is called Eat, Grow, Live, to where we are giving the opportunity to children to try something that's not only gonna be new and healthy for them, but teaching them how to be able to grow healthy food items as well as how can you be able to market this and sell this to your community to generate revenue as well because not only are they learning about the healthy side of it, but how can I make money off of this also and how can I potentially build a business from this? So that that was very, very important. And then for our college-age students – How can I be able to create an organization that matters within my community? So I gave my background of being from a food desert community and me wanting to be able to create this based off of my own experiences. We're giving college students the tools and resources to be able to know how to start an organization that matters, whether it is within their own community in which they're from or the community in which they're in while they're in college as well. And so whether it be something centered around healthy eating and growing or sustainability or whatever cause they're passionate about, after they complete our program, they'll know how to build it from the ground up.
0: Wow. So you have these two educational programs, and you call this a social enterprise. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, because not only are we trying to do amazing and phenomenal work within the community, but we're also trying to be strong from a business standpoint as well. I know we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we do consider the amount of donations and grant opportunities that we get as being something that is very strong and positive. We don't just want to rely on those, though. We want to be able to create businesses that is generating revenue for our organization and helping us to be able to sustain long-term. So when I talk about sustainability, I'm not only talking about sustainability in a way of recycling, but sustainability in business and the way that we create business models and the way that we engage with the community and other companies to be able to continue to do the work in which we're doing within the community. And so we're trying to not only do that for ourselves, but also teach children and young and young adults, how they can be able to do that themselves as well.
0: So you're really encouraging and setting up people for success in growing their own food to actually make a business around it.
1: Yes, yes. So I want them to be the ones with the solutions to the problems in which their community is facing. I mean, because not only can you create a really cool and engaging experience, but you can potentially give somebody on your block or within your neighborhood a job as well to be able to help them to Purchase those other food items that you can't just readily and available available be be able to grow within your community
0: So is there one person that has taken that on and embodied it and started being successful with it?
1: So I just think that it's it's different for everyone Mm -hmm. I mean, we've had an intern who has had the opportunity to be able to work with us and has created different educational programming on behalf of our organization we've also been able to establish these campus ambassador programs and they're building content to be able to roll out to their campuses as well. So I definitely think that we've seen proven results from there. And literally every time that we have some type of educational programming at an elementary school, you're going to see something that's going to be new and creative that's brought out by the students, whether it is The facial expressions that they're making for trying something that's going to be new and healthy for them that they didn't think that would be good. Or they're actually creative ideas and pitching and making different marketing plans or how they see that they can be able to sell something to their community. So every time we're getting a new experience and seeing this being able to work.
0: So you have two degrees and congratulations on that. That's uh, a big accomplishment. I give you a high five for that. And it sounds to me like you've taken these two degrees and you've kind of melded them into into what you're doing. You you have one degree in healthcare administration, that's your bachelor's, and a master's in business administration. How are you putting these two together to build a successful organization?
1: You know that's that's a really good good actual question because, like I said, it's Everything that's I've occurred within my life that has actually put me in a position to where I am now. If you ask me when I was a child, I never would have thought in a million years that I would be doing the work in which I was doing. And actually, when I did actually finish my master's and after undergraduate school, I was doing healthcare consulting work. So I always wanted to be able to improve the outcome of people or patients or the community. And it's gotten to a point to where me learning those process improvement skills, me learning how to be able to create a business, as well as work with community members, has been able to help me to be able to create this nonprofit organization. The experience I had from a corporate standpoint, educational standpoint, has definitely helped me to be able to be where I am from an organizational standpoint, but those street-wise things that I learned from growing up in my community has also been able to help or propel me to be where I am as well. So definitely benefactors on both of those degrees, but also those street lessons that I didn't have to pay for as well.
0: Wow, nice. Well, and I started a nonprofit once. It ran for about 10 years, and it's not an easy prospect. This is for those of you that haven't done a nonprofit before, it takes a lot of work, a lot of intensity, a lot of commitment to get it done. So, you know, once again, virtual high five for you, man. Good job.
1: I man, I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, if anyone knows, then you know those stressors that you're having to deal with from starting the nonprofit organization and trying to do the best possible work for whatever community that you're engaged in. But also trying to make sure you're financially sustainable as well to keep that organization running as well.
0: Yeah, that's something people don't understand. A nonprofit doesn't mean you don't make profit, you have to make profit. Right. And in I think order- that's
1: the hardest, exactly. That's the hardest thing to explain to people sometimes. They automatically assume that all of your services and all of your work is going to be for free. Yep. Now, it's not always going to be for free at all because we do have to pay our, our staff as well as making sure that we're sustainable as well. So I agree with you 110% on that also.
0: Yeah, it's it's a project. So, yeah, kudos to you, man. Thank you. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it.
1: Yeah, so this follows in alignment with me first learning how to grow. So I talked about earlier in my story that all of these different members from the community, when I first got involved with a community garden, was teaching me how to be able to grow. And so when I first started talking to my friends, And I said, I'm going to create this really cool and engaging experience and drop all these community gardens around the city. Someone heard me speaking at an event and said, we want you to actually create a small garden space for us on the side of our building of our restaurant. I was like, perfect. This restaurant gets a lot of traffic. This would be a perfect opportunity for us to get a lot of traction to our website and our social media pages, as well as them seeing something that's freshly grown for this restaurant. And so when I went to look at the side of the building, this was at the the sunniest time of the day. So I'm like, this will get amazing sunlight. This is where I need to put these raised beds. And this is what needs to grow here. Well, lo and behold, I didn't check the other times of the day to see and make sure that it was getting enough sunlight. And so we planted and literally nothing grew. It looked pretty, pretty bad. Um, on our end because they were expecting all of these different herbs and vegetables to be growing and nothing grew because there were way it was way too much shade
0: yeah and this
1: was a, a walking space to where those people who were going to the restaurant had to pass by this plot to be able to enter the restaurant and so that was a time where I didn't fully know what I was doing. I didn't properly evaluate the space in which we were mm-hmm. going in and I felt miserably and I felt horrible um, about that because someone had given me my first opportunity and chance to do something within the community and I failed and I failed hard, but it also taught me that you have to make sure that you have a strong team of people who can evaluate your work but also making sure that in all of your excitement, you're taking the proper steps to be able to launch something as well. So by me not having that agricultural background, even even though I knew the basics of growing, the next thing I did was bring on that intern who had that agricultural background, that ag degree who could help to be able to properly look at a site and determine if we would be able to create these raised beds here. And also, that improvement plan and having those difficult conversations with the owner to genuinely say that I messed up and this is where I messed up at. And is there anything that we can do to potentially extend this relationship to move forward? And in that case, it wasn't. And I think that it taught me for every project moving forward to make sure that everything was in alignment for me to be able to move forward on that project so it can be potentially successful in the long run.
0: Yeah. So... It sounds to me like you planted your garden on a northern exposure. This would be for the uh, northern hemisphere above the equator. Uh, was that the case? Yes. And and so
1: those, you know, those peak. That only that during that peak time was it really getting sunlight. Between the the building was letting off of a lot of shade, as well as they had another building to the opposite side that was letting off a lot of shade as well.
0: Yeah. So that's that's a really important key piece. Is you know make sure that when you're planting a garden, it's getting at least six to eight hours worth of sun.
1: For our space, was probably getting up about three to four really high moments of uh, sunlight, direct sunlight.
0: Wow, that that'll kill a garden really quickly. I talk about exposure a lot, and the easiest way that I've found to explain to people about exposure is this. If you are looking at a Northern exposure and you're standing with your back against the wall and you're looking North, that's a Northern exposure. If you're standing Mm -hmm. with your back against the wall and looking straight out and you're looking West, that's a Western exposure. And here in the desert, that's a pretty much a death knell for your garden because it just cooks the garden. Mm -hmm. So being able to be cognizant of the exposure of your garden and how many hours of sun you get a day. That's really, really important.
1: Yep. Definitely a lesson learned that I won't forget.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) So what do you consider your biggest success?
1: I would have to say hands down those educational programs. I mean, when we're doing these campus ambassador programs at the end, the end result of the campus ambassador program is for them to be able to create an on-campus project that's open facing to the community, meaning that the community can engage with it. And seeing all of the students come out, try something new, plan and plan to be able to take back home or take to their dorm room or engaging in different activities that are centered around sustainability or healthy eating or growing. Those moments are amazing because they put in so much work to create that one moment. And it's the same exact thing for when we're working with elementary age, Uh, students as well we work so hard to create these lesson plans and develop some type of content that they're going to be engaged in for one hour of programming and when you see the excitement of them being out and, and you know tossing around some dirt or playing with worms or even trying something new and they actually like it and want more of it that's an amazing feeling and that's a feeling that definitely makes it all worthwhile and that's one that i really really do believe is the one that continues to, to help us to keep it going is a huge success.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. So what drives you?
1: Oh man, if anything, from my story, the, the biggest driver in general for me would have to be the community. I mean, the community that I grew up in as a child, the community that I'm continuously trying to assist and help in, because we all have those similar experiences with the people that I'm working side by side to, to create something that's great within the community. And so it's those community members that continue to, to push me and drive me forward, the children, the adults, everyone that I interact and engage with good, bad, or indifferent, because at the end of the day that I know that I'm doing everything possible to assist them. And when they see the end product, they're appreciative and they want to do it more and more.
0: Nice. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why?
1: Uh, see, this, this is a difficult question because it's, so many books out there, but I know my my personal favorite would have to be The Alchemist. And The Alchemist was created by Paulo Cullo, and I'm always kind of um, misconstrued his last name, so I hope I'm pronouncing it right No, you got it. You got it
0: right.
1: Perfect. So really The Alchemist, the book within itself, is talking about this young man's journey to finding his destiny and following all the signs that are laid on the path in which his destiny takes him. So I talk about my earlier dreams in life and what I thought my life would be and me never, ever in a million years thinking that I would be doing the work that I'm doing now. But it's those things within my life and that path that was laid out for me that has brought me to this moment. And I don't know what's going to be next, but I know that it's like the overall journey. And I think that 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 book is something that really inspires making sure that you're paying attention to your journey and following those paths that's laid out to you for your life already. So that's that's the book that I highly recommend for everyone to, to read.
0: Nice. So this has only happened now twice or three times. I have, <laughs> I have three top books of all time: Ishmael by Daniel Quinn, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, mm, drawn a blank on the guy's name who did that one, and The Alchemist. Those are three incredibly powerful books that changed my life. And so you might check out those other two books, but awesome job on the, on the book choice.
1: Oh, thank you. And I definitely went ahead and got it down those other two as well. So I want to check those out, especially if you got the alchemist in your top three, I know those other two have to be good.
0: Yeah, exactly. So what final piece of advice do you have for our listeners?
1: I would have to say to actually, you know, start small, and watch it grow. A lot of times we have these amazing ideas and concepts that we want to actually roll out, but we want to boil the ocean. You know, you want to do it all right now. Yeah. And what I recommend is just taking the, the next best step start small and then just slowly start attaching those other items or pieces that you want to add to it once you've gotten really good at that one element. A perfect example of that for me is. When we started these community gardens, I always wanted to do the cooking demonstrations, but I understood that it was important to first do the community gardens, listen to the community, make sure that they wanted this additional piece to be able to cook healthier food items with what they're growing and that that there was a need for it before I started doing it. So when you do everything at one time, sometimes, you're not really giving enough energy to any one thing. So just start really small and just watch it grow from there.
0: Yeah, I tell people that all the time. Don't overwhelm yourself because if you take on too much and then you fail at it, it kind of kills the energy and you stop.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: So I have one final question for you. And your, your nickname is Rob Veggies. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, in the community I grew up in, everybody had a had a nickname. Initially, my, it was just my short name, Rob. I have a, a family one that I'm not going to give out to anybody because it's just what my family can call me. And it's kind of embarrassing to me, but it's loving coming from the family. But the Betty's the portion, I thought that it just fit perfectly for the work in which I was doing. And then the community members quickly just attached on to it. And so everybody started calling me Raw Veggies. And I think that if I ever thought about a rapping career, that would also be a perfect name as well. So um, I do enjoy it. And, I, and I'm thankful for it catching on and for people enjoying calling me that as well.
0: So, nice. All about, the,
1: all about the veggies out this way.
0: There you go. Well, I have to tell you that I have spent the last 33 minutes smiling. My smile is sore. It's been a delight. <laughs> A delight chatting with you, and thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Rob Veggies? Yes,
1: yeah, i this way. I appreciate for you having me and just continue the great work, and thank you, thank you, thank you so much for allowing for me to be able to share my story.
0: Oh, I love it. So how can our listeners get a hold of you?
1: So they can always follow our journey and our story on Instagram. It's trapgarden, T-R-A-P, garden, all one word. Or they can also visit our website, www.trapgarden.org. If they want to get in contact with any of our team members directly, we have a contact us button on our website and you can click that. And then one of our team members or myself will get back in contact
0: with you. Thank you. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash trap garden. We are your urban farming resource. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and everywhere podcasts are found. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org.